1: is judge not lest you be judged. Everybody loves quoting that one. And it's they they stop there. They take it grossly out of context, of course, because just stopping there fits their devices. It allows people to justify their own lifestyle and put like an instant bubble around them like, don't judge me. And I just, I just, like you see people all the time with tattoos and whatever, they just say, only God can judge. <laughs> like you have to read the rest of the verse and understand what it's actually saying. It's Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. Then he says, the measure that you use will be levied against you. Then it says, and I love this, Jesus is funny. He says, you go to your brother And want to pull a speck out of his eye when you have a big railroad tie in your eye. But then, what Jesus says, and this is really important Jesus says, first remove the railroad tie from your own eye, then remove the speck from your brother's eye. He doesn't say, only worry about the plank in your own eye. It's not what he says. Jesus says, take the plank out of your own eye, but then, yes. Go to your brother and pull the speck out of his eye. When Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, he's saying, if you're gonna go tell somebody how they run their marriage, you better have a good marriage. If you're gonna tell somebody how to manage their money, you better not have filed bankruptcy 12 times. He's saying, don't be, and listen, none of us are perfect. Like, I have a, a great marriage, but it's not perfect. So that's what it means when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. God raised up judges in response to the tragedy happening in Israel the world hates to be judged the spirit of this world rails against judgment and even that word judge like it just carries this like this weight to it in a in a bad way and it's because it's been so corrupted by the world to judge means to declare right or wrong based on agreed upon moral standard that's what it means that's what it means to judge Jesus judged people all the time. All the time. Finds a woman, a Samaritan woman at a well drawing water, and he says, Hey, uh, can you do me a favor, and go get your husband? Jesus knows everything. She's like, Well, you know, I don't I don't have a husband. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I, I know. You've had five. And that's just excessive. I mean, Jesus, come on. You know, we don't have to rub people's nose in it. But Jesus didn't dance around the real issue in her life. He's like, hey, there is a pattern of dysfunction. You've been married five times. Don't do that anymore. And then he says, the way that you didn't just leave it there, it doesn't just point out her sin and then say, all right, good luck with that. He says, but if you drink of this water, of living water, then you will thirst no more. The thirst you're trying to satisfy with these dysfunctional relationships over and over and over and over again that's not filling you up, I can fill that up. But Jesus couldn't do that without first calling out the dysfunction in her own life. He judged her. What you're doing is wrong. When God sent two angels into Sodom and Gomorrah to warn Lot about the impending doom, all the, the men of, of Sodom and Gomorrah circle the house and they say, hey, give us these men so we can defile them and do all kinds of terrible things. And Lot says, no, guys, you don't want to do this. These, these men are from the Lord, don't do it. And then they say, who are you to sit over judge of us? The world hates to be told what is right and what is wrong. But the Lord raised up judges to be waypoints, to provide guidance. Discipleship is judgment. With love, with love, and I'm gonna to get to that here in one second. In a disciple-making church, we tell you when you have blind spots. And listen, if you, let me be really clear. You can come to this church, I mean, as long as you're not putting other people in danger or causing wild disruptions, you can come to this church however you are, with whatever mess you are in, like, we want you here. You can be in the the depths of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, like, whatever. Be here. Now, we're not going to put you in leadership, okay, if there's still gross dysfunction going on in your life, we're going to gently, with the admonishment of the Lord, say, hey, we see some things in your life that are leading to your own destruction. We don't want that for you. That's a disciple-making church. And so if you are not in a place where you're ready to be told those things, you're gonna have a hard time here. I'm just telling you. This is a disciple making church. Part of discipleship is judgment. Now, this is really important. Jesus had great, great hatred for wickedness, but deep compassion for sinners. Jesus hated wickedness, but had deep compassion for those that were ensnared by sin. What's the difference? Sin means to miss the mark. It means that there is a standard of living that we fall short of. Wickedness is the spiritual reality that rails against the establishment of God. Notice that Jesus always called the devil, called Satan, the evil one. Jesus never called the devil the sinful one. The devil actually can't sin because sin is through the the law that was given to people. Only human beings can be sinful. The devil is wicked. He is evil. When he rebelled against God, was cast into the earth, there is wickedness in the earth. Now, that wickedness, the mechanism for the outworking of that wickedness is through sinful people, okay? But Jesus had great compassion for those that were ensnared, by sin. And so, I want you to hear how this works itself out. A couple of Tuesdays ago, I got to go up to Sacramento and was able to um, protest the passing of Assembly Bill 2223, which is a bill that essentially says no um, abortion, even what they call a perinatal procedure, which is so loosely defined, could could mean up to 30 days after a baby is born, the death of that baby cannot be investigated, cannot be prosecuted, no matter what, under any circumstances, just a big black box. That's wickedness. And it is our job as the church to rail against that. Now, I want you to hear me very closely, just a moment of vulnerability here. When I was a young man, I was 16 years old, I was sexually active with my girlfriend, and she came to me one day and said, hey, I'm, I'm late. And my life flashed before my eyes. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, and we both panicked, didn't know what to do. And, um, and, and I, I said, do you want me to make an appointment? And we both knew exactly what that meant. And she said, yes, you know, go do it. And I did. Now, it turned out that she wasn't pregnant. But my point is, I was guilty. I'm guilty. If she would have been pregnant, we would have gone through with it. And if you're in here and you've had an abortion, if you know somebody in your family who has had an abortion or supported abortion or whatever, I want you to know that this church is not angry at you. God is not angry at you. God is angry and his hatred burns against a spirit that wants to snuff out the most innocent innocent thing in this world, which is an infant human life. That's the difference between the hatred of wickedness and the compassion for sinners, okay? And at this church, we hate wickedness, but we have deep empathy and compassion for those that are working things out. Discipleship is judgment. It's saying, hey, you're living in a way that's not gonna produce the best in your world, and we want to see you flourishing. And we at this church have a responsibility to bring that to you. That's what discipleship looks like. Are you willing? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to say, hey, are you ready to pray like King David prayed? Search me, O Lord. Any wickedness in me, find it, weed it out. If you've got to use a person, if you have to use an annoying person to do it that I don't like, do it. I don't care. Whatever the mechanism, bring it on. Just sometimes it seems like the people that, like, correct you are the people that, already aggravate you, you know what I'm saying? God does that sometimes, I don't know why. Last point as we come to a close. Judges chapter three, so I'm kind of skipping around. This is just kind of all of Judges chapter two and the beginning of Judges chapter three. I'd really encourage you to read it because it's... it's, an amazing picture of where we are today. Judges chapter three, verse one. Now, these are the nations which the Lord... Actually, I'm going to back up. It's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read the, the last verse of, of chapter two. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. Now, uh, chapter three, verse one. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan, verse two, this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war. Discipleship is teaching people how to fight. As a Christian, your life is warfare. It is. There is a spirit of this world that's going to rage against you and everybody, you, you know this is true, right? Paul said, everything I want to do, I don't do, everything I know I'm not supposed to do, I do anyway. Have You ever noticed how like you can, you can open your phone and be on Instagram for 90 minutes and boom, and then you sit down to read your Bible and it's like you're one sentence in, and you're like. <laughs> That's because there is a spirit actively working against you. That's why. That's why you can get on Instagram and just all of a sudden two hours disappears. You read all day long. You try to read your Bible. Oh my goodness! It's like you need nine cups of coffee. You need a white room, white noise, no distractions. We need to teach people how to fight. Now, listen. I do. Wanna, I want to clarify. It doesn't mean that your entire life is battle fatigue and shell shockedness. King David said that you make a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That there's a, an amazing sort of paradox we get to live in that we're always at war, but somehow God gives us peace in the midst of that war. And I can tell you here at Awaken Church, we go to battle all the time, but we have a lot of fun, a lot of fun. We live life front-footed. We don't live life on retreat, we live life taking ground. And there's warfare, there's warfare all the time but we also have a lot of fun doing it. And I love that God left bad guys in the land. God purposely left them in the promised land and told the children of Israel, drive them out, I'm not gonna do it, you do it. And then left them there after Joshua died and said, I'm still not doing it. Next generation, figure it out. You need to learn what it looks like to fight. And so the children of Israel, in a land that was promised to them, flowing with milk and honey, had to fight for it every day, had to drive out the inhabitants of the land. You have to drive out the inhabitants that have taken strongholds in what God has promised you. You have to actively drive them out. You cannot coexist with dysfunction. If everybody in your family has, has been fearful and been anxious, and you have to drive that out. You cannot coexist with a spirit of fear in your world. You have to drive it out. God left it there. God left it there for you to contend with. And you can whine about it and be upset about it. And God, why didn't you? My parents didn't deal with this. and Now I have to deal with it. God left it there to teach you how to fight. And it's our job as a church to equip you to fight. Bible says in Ephesians 6, that it talks about the armor of God when it talks about the only offensive weapon. Every other piece of armor is defensive. The helmet, the breastplate, the shield, all of that, it's defensive weaponry. The only offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Paul says, praying the spirit when he talks about using the sword, how to actually use your offensive weapon. So defense means I'm not giving anything up. If you're in a football game, we got a lot of Mexicanos in here. So American football, okay? Not football. American football. If I'm on defense, I'm trying not to lose ground. Right? That's what defense is. It means I am trying to keep you. You can't gain ground on defense. You can't. The best you can do is, is lose no ground, and that's that. It's on offense that you take ground. The only thing you have to take ground is praying the word of God. That's why men's prayer, women's prayer. And I, I, I feel like a hypocrite. I have missed the last two weeks. I've been out of town. Okay. All you men looking at me with your judgmental eyes. I'm almost always there. I've missed the last two weeks and I'm going to be honest with you. It sucks. I, it's the most important part of my week. It's Tuesday mornings. And I would be lying to you if every Tuesday at 4.30, I wake up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like, oh, right, I'm ready to pray. Yeah, right. There's warfare around it. Every Monday night, I, sl- I have been given the spiritual gift of sleeping like a baby, except on Monday nights. It is crazy. It's like my, all of a sudden, my wife tossing and turning like never before, she's manifesting going, just kidding, never kids climbing in bed at 3, and then I, you know, wake up at 3, and then, you know, you're, you know the thing where you're like, you're you're asleep, and you wake up like, oh, my alarm, and then it's 2.30, and you're like, but then, you know, you got your adrenaline. It's like, that happens every Monday night for me, because there's warfare around me getting to Tuesday morning prayer. Why do you think? Because the devil doesn't want me wielding my sword that helps me take ground. We teach people how to pray at this church, because that's how you take ground. We disciple people by equipping you with the weaponry of the kingdom. The shield of faith keeps you from losing ground. We teach you how to believe God for things in this church. We teach you. It's a skill. It really is. It's hard to believe God for things. It's it's so crazy. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a challenge. Go home tonight. Grab a piece of paper. It'll only take you two minutes. Two minutes, put a timer on your phone and just write down anything that you want to see happen in your life. No stipulations, time is not a factor, money is not a factor, pretend you're a multi-bazillionaire. I promise you, it's harder than you think. And you'll get through about five things and you'll be like... If you were given unlimited resource, you can't think of more than five things you'd want to do. It's because it's actually hard to believe for things because we have so many limiting mindsets, so many words that have been spoken over us. I'll never be this. I could never, oh, that's for them. That's, I could never have that kind of, because I'm the, we teach you how to believe for things. Discipleship is teaching people how to fight. i love it. You hop to your feet as we close. My question, I'm going to, I want to pray quickly and we're going to get out of here. So I'd love it if you bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you a question. This is just a moment between you and God, okay? This is, uh, this is not about, you know, calling you out, making you, whatever. This is a moment between you and God. I'm going to ask you a question. And if the answer to the question is yes, I want you to raise your hand. And it's not, this is for you. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and ask the question, but then I'm going to clarify it. The question is, do you want to be discipled? That's the question. Don't raise your hand, yet. I'm going to ask it again, and then I'm going to pray for everybody that raised their hand. And I'm going to tell you what you're in for. Several years ago, I prayed that prayer, and I did not know what I was praying. I prayed, Lord, and it was in a specific area of discipleship. I wanted discipleship in business. I was a brand new entrepreneur, just figuring things out. Katie and I were very much struggling financially and, and I saw people in this house that I wanted whatever the blessing that was on them. I wanted it on me, and I prayed, God, I pray that you would put me around people more successful than me. That's what I prayed. Now, all of a sudden, two three months later, I get invited to this prayer meeting, and it's Pastor Marco, it's Pastor Rudy, Chris Aguilar, Matt Lee, Jose Rubalcaba, some of the wealthier guys in our whole church, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing, and I, I go and, and and we'd start praying and, and they would, oh, we, we always start out with just kind of some big wins and, and like every day was like, oh yeah, I needed, you know, $120,000 to appear out of nowhere and boom, it did. How crazy is that? Oh, yay. You know, and then, oh yeah, I was just believing God for a new client and then I didn't get one. I got four. How crazy is that? (laughs) And I'm just like, have none of that going on. So I'm just kind of standing there in the circle. Everybody's piping off on all their blessings, all their great stuff, just getting riddled with discouragement. And I was driving a long way at the time. Katie and I lived in Oceanside while we were building our house. And this prayer meeting was all the way down here in Chula Vista. So I had a super easy excuse to just say, hey, you know what, guys, I just, uh, too tough. I can't do it anymore. And they would have been like, oh, of course, totally. And so I was so discouraged I was just about to say, you know, send a text. Hey, guys, love doing this with you, but just can't make it happen with a drive. And God stopped me and reminded me, this is what you asked me for. Do you want to be disciple? It means that God is going to illuminate some things in you that you're not proud of. And that's okay, there's no judgment. We want to see you flourish. I get corrected all the time. Just the other day, Pastor Jurgen sent me a text. and was like, hey, I didn't really like the way you handled this thing. And it stung for a minute. You know, I was like, uh, I love Pastor Juergen. I, I wanna honor him, I wanna do right by him. But I'm so thankful that he took a minute to say, hey, don't do it that way, do it this way. So again, every head bowed, every eye closed. If your answer to that question is, Yes, I want to be discipled, knowing full well what it means, that there may be some things, some ways you're living that are going to be called out. There may be some patterns, some habits in your life that are going to be confronted. If the answer to that question is yes, I want you to shoot your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. I'm not even going to look. I'm going to keep my eyes closed because it's not about me. Hopefully there's at least one hand that minds up. God, I thank you so much for every hand lifted, whether it's two or two hundred. God, I pray right now for a great wave of disciples in this church. Men and women that follow you, that know how to hear your voice, that any one of them at any given moment, if I ask the question, hey, what's God saying to you lately? Would be able to answer in a flash because they hear from God every single day. God, I pray that you would bring godly men and women into their life, that you would keep naysayers out of their life. God, that you would bless them with people further along in faith than them, further along in marriage, further along in parenting, further along in business, further along in whatever it is, in sobriety, in, in whatever. That you would bring men and women to these folks with their hands raised, God, that you would bless them with Godly instruction, God, that we would not be offended when someone gently calls out blind spots in us, that we would welcome it, God, and that you would, in your tenderness, in your mercy, would deal delicately with us, you would sanctify us, that we at the Eastlake Campus of Awaken Church would be a holy people, set apart, consecrated, wholly devoted to you, and that the outworkings of that would be the supernatural in our lives, that we would walk in a level of, of unmerited favor, the likes of which the people in our world have never seen, that they will come to us and say, what in the world are you doing? Whatever it is, I have to have it. What? And we will tell them that we have submitted to the correction of the kingdom of heaven. God, we pray blessing over this church, that we would be a church that takes the Great Commission seriously, that we would make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them
0: to obey all that you have commanded of us. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com